make sure that you carve out time for yourself and your family. When you're running a startup, you can get so focused and so in the weeds of running that business and it can be mentally all consuming and you can't lose track of what is truly important. Um, So carving out that time to go for a run, carving out that time for a date night, carving out that time that is super intentional for your kids, that is going to be beneficial to your family, but then also for your business, because it'll give you that time away to relax your brain so that you can come up with better ideas for, for the growth of your company. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, Jason Gilligan. I'm always, I always want to say Gilligan. So I always look at it. I'm like, I know it's not Gilligan, but I still think of Gilligan. So anyway, but with that, uh, did a quick introduction to Jason. So he grew up in uh, Michigan, went to college, I think into North Carolina um, and didn't go back to Michigan, wanted to stay in North Carolina, um, did medical mail or medical malpractice insurance sales for a bit and then worked at uh, Edward, Edward Jones. I'm getting tongue tied today as a uh, financial uh, advisor for a little while as well. Um, also did professional poker playing, which is always sounds, I don't know if that sounds exciting. Sounds exciting to me, but all I know about it is what I see on TV. And then I did uh, SEO and SEM uh, for digital marketing for I think about 15 years, 12 of those were with a, a given country or company. Um, and then started to get the entrepreneur bug, fell in love with podcasts, started his own podcast company. Wife also started a podcast, so he's been doing that and helping her with that. And then beginning in 2012, decided to go full-time on the entrepreneur thing and uh, see if he could make a go of it. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Jason. Devin, what a what a winding journey uh, that uh, that you listed out there. Um, but thank you so much for for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. It's always fun to have you on. So I gave kind of the quick 30 second or 45 second, whatever second run through of your journey. But now why don't you take us a bit back in time to growing up in Michigan and going to college in North Carolina and how your journey got started there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you mentioned, grew up in Michigan, right around Detroit. Uh, so just north of Detroit, the Southfield area, still a, a very sad uh, Detroit Lions fan. Uh, Devin, in my lifetime, the Lions have won exactly one playoff game, not one Super Bowl, mind you, but one playoff game, but uh, still, still managed to, to root for them. But oh, on that note, see, I'm in Utah, so we have the Jazz for basketball, but we don't even have a football team. The only one that I've ever had was when I went to school in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and that was the, uh, you know, the Cleveland Bear or Cleveland Browns, or Cleveland Browns. And I don't think there were any better. So the only one I've ever had the opportunity to root for didn't have any better or didn't have any better odds in years. Yeah. What are we doing with our lives? Like we, we need to come up with better teams, I think. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I grew, grew up there in Michigan um, and went down to Carolina. So UNC for, for college. And for me, it was just a, a chance to, to get away um, and go to somewhere new, somewhere warm, somewhere not so gray, not so full of, of potholes. 
you know, honestly, at the time, as a 17-year-old guy, it, uh, it, it was 60% women. Uh, and I, when I did my tour there, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is amazing here. And uh, they had a good business program as well. So, uh, yeah, fell in love with, uh, with Carolina. And, you know, man, when I, when I thought about moving back or where my next place would be for after college, like there was just no way I was leaving this triangle area and the triangle area is Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. There was no way I was, I was leaving North Carolina. We've got the beaches, we've got the mountains. It is gorgeous. Um, and, uh, there's a, a great tech business community here as well. Hmm. So now you said, okay, went to school here, life's in North Carolina. Going to do that for a while. Now, how did you get into medical malpractice insurance sales? <laughs> yeah. That's a in and of itself, but how did you get into it? Yeah, so I actually knew a guy that went to Duke, of all places, in Carolina. And Duke, we've got this fierce rivalry, but, you know, we, we hang out sometimes. And uh, his dad ran a medical malpractice insurance brokerage out of Houston. So uh, after school, we went down there for three months to train in Houston and then came back to Chapel Hill to start up that branch of the medical malpractice insurance services. And so our job was to call on hospitals and doctors and say, hey, uh, who are you using for your malpractice insurance? We can probably get you a better rate. Can we quote it for you? And this is, uh, you know, pre-Salesforce, you know, pre-like, you know, massive um, databases that we could get into. And so I just created a, a big, huge spreadsheet of all the hospitals and who the risk managers were, who, who the CMOs were for all these different places, and, uh, and just called them, just started cold calling them. And, and we were successful at it. So, and you did that for, I think it was a couple of years. Is that right? Sounds about right. It was a long time ago now, Devin, but yeah, that sounds about right. Now you did medical malpractice for a bit of time. And then remind me, where did you go from there? After that was Edward Jones. Uh, so I, I always had wanted to get into the financial industry from a, a early age. You know, I, I was interested in, in stocks and, and different things like that. And uh, one, one thing I didn't realize uh, with being a financial advisor, it is predominantly a sales job. I didn't realize that at the time. And I, like sales is great. I, I love sales, but I kind of thought I would be a financial advisor, but it was literally going knocking on knocking door to door. And that's the Edward Jones model. You knock door to door and say, hey, my name is Jason. And mind you, I'm a 23, 24 year old kid. Hey, my name is Jason. If if we at Edward Jones have a great idea for a stock or a bond or something, do you mind if I give you a call? And that's how you got your call list was going door to door um, and doing that. So uh, it it didn't work out all that well for me, um, <laughs> mostly because I started to get distracted by what would be my next career path, which was uh, playing poker online. <laughs> so now, one question before we do that, because. I think you hit on a point because I think that to a large degree, most most jobs, if you're successful and good at it, have a sales aspect. You know, I don't care if you're an attorney, you have to bring on new clients. If you're a dentist, you have to bring people in. If you're a doctor, you still have to get a good reputation of people wanting to do it. If you're, you know, almost most jobs, if you're beneficial, if you're doing a good job, have an aspect. Now, some have more than others, and you know, that's not true of all positions. But I think if you have a good sales ability, you can, it allows you to prosper in a lot of different career points. Now, 100%. with that in mind, how did, I don't know if I can make that same argument for poker. And I guess you're selling yourself or you're putting a poker face on, but it's a little bit of a stretch. 
How did you get into doing a professional poker playing for going from Edward Jones as a financial advisor to saying, this is how you de-risk your money and how you save it and how you multiply it to say, I'm going to take a very high risk approach to my money and see if I can outwit or outplay other people. You make it sound like it was a bad idea. <laughs> it's a good idea or a bad idea. I was just curious because it seems like they're kind of on two ends of the spectrum. It is two ends of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, I, I just got hooked in the, you know, the the Rounders movie, and you know, you you watch. I, I don't know if any of your audience remembers this way back when, but you know, the Chris Moneymaker uh, making winning the World Series of Poker, and you know, the the boom of TV, and I everybody was going on, it seemed to the, uh, uh, the online poker sites, right? So poker stars, party poker, those types of sites. And I found out that I could win some money doing that. If I, if I played disciplined and I, I played my game that I could win some money. And so I was distracted, uh, with my job at Edward Jones by, by playing poker because I was making more money doing that. Uh, and I decided, okay, you know what? This is what I'm going to do for for a little while now, and mostly played online. Um, it was it was it was wild back then. I mean, it was just a lot of money coming in from people that were just looking to have fun. But mm. some went to uh, to Vegas, uh, you know, probably 15, 20 times to to play in some some tournaments out there, including the World Series of Poker a couple of times, which you know never really cashed in that, but you know, had a chance to sit next, sit next to, um, Jesus Ferguson and saw Phil Hellmuth do a, a rant. Uh, like even with the cameras off, he is that guy that will uh, be the, the poker brat and jump out of his seat and, and rant on, you know, whoever he thinks is playing poorly, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, it, it wasn't the most healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, cause you're, you're kind of staying up all night and you, you, you're on your computer all the time. And, uh, you just don't really realize what time it is sometimes. And, uh, yeah, if I was going to move on in my life and have a, a wife and a, a family, uh, I, uh, I had to get serious about my career. Hmm. No, I definitely make sense. And, uh, no, one, this kind of curiosity, and, and if it's too personal, you can absolutely tell me it's too personal, but I was just curious, you know, cause I agree that there's kind of those, you know, you, you have a movie come out or you, you have something and it gets caught on with poker. You know, you had the movie that was 21 where it's counting cards and playing, you know, and playing blackjack and other things. Um, you know, is it as glamorous and can you make as much money as you always see on the TV or do most people lose money at it? Do most people go broke or kind of how is it for a career uh, career prospects? So uh, you can make money. Uh, there, there were people that made a ton of money on poker. Is it glamorous? No, <laughs> not really. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're spending hours at a table or at a virtual table and just within your, your own thoughts. Like it is um, hours of boredom fo uh, followed by moments of terror, right? Uh, so no, I mean, it's, it's not glamorous by any means. And most people do lose money because that's how the casinos make money. So like about 90% of the people that are playing are going to lose money. So now you said, okay, I've, I've tried this, not a healthy lifestyle, probably not conducive to a family. I'm not yeah. going to be quite as rich as the people on TV, probably not. And so, you know, then where did you go from there? Kind of how did you decide what was your next, or I guess two questions, and I try not to do compound questions, but we'll try it anyway. What made you decide to give up poker? And then where did you decide to go from there? Yeah, just the, the healthy lifestyle um, and went to, 
a, a search engine optimization firm, uh, which we were the, the world's largest SEO firm. And uh, we, we, were, <laughs> we were told to say we had a 98% retention rate for our clients. And this is back 2005, 2006, something like that, where it was very much uh, SEO was like a voodoo practice. Um, you could say anything and they trained us to say anything. Um, and, and people would, would believe it. And, you know, that particular company, so I worked at that company for less than a year, that mm. particular company, uh, the, it, it ended up going public. It was like 200 people. And Devin, I kid you not, uh, if we hit our sales goals, uh, everybody would line up and the execs would pass out $50 bills to everybody. So uh, as an attorney, you're probably like, that is not tax, uh, tax healthy right there. <laughs> but, but at the same time, that's what happened. And like, you know, we, we played basketball all the time, you know, total bro culture, to total bro, bro culture. But the company ended up going public and uh, the, the company that, that, well, the company that took it over essentially realized that it was all smoke and mirrors and the CEO literally ended up getting dragged out. Uh, and so that was, that was fun to see. But after that, anyway, one of these days I'll write a screenplay about it, or maybe I'll do like a, a narrative uh, podcast about that uh, mm -hmm. and, and get some of the, some of the guys involved from there. But after that, so, went to it. And, and you hit on, cause that's one of my biggest, I think that there is a place for SEO for, or, or for social media marketing and all those. And yet, I think for the general public, it is one of those that it's so hard to know whether you're getting someone that's doing a stellar job that's absolutely worth their money, or whether you get someone that comes in because usually it's like, okay, you have to sign up, you have to give me at least six to twelve months before you can be able to see any results, and then you know you might see some results, or it might even take longer, and then we'll have to adjust. And it's like this might be twelve or twelve to twenty-four months before I even know if it's working, and I've paid them all the time, and so that one, I think that's the. Kind of as you mentioned, but the biggest gripe with the industry that there is a lot of is even today. I think even more so back then, but even today it seems like it's voodoo and Google's changing their analytics, and it's just so hard to know what or what is what is accurate or what is when is a, it's a good service. Yeah, it it is really hard, and um, that was a challenge. And I stayed in the SEO industry for a long time. Went to a a, a bigger, not a bigger company, not at all a bigger company, but a, a much better company. Um, you know, in, in my 12 years with, with that company. And, you know, they were doing things that they said they were going to do, um, actually getting our, our clients ranked. Um, and so it was, it was a company that had those, those morals that you don't always see in the SEO industry. Mm, no, I, and I think that, you know, that makes sense. And I think if you can get that good reputation, it absolutely is a great so don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing the whole SEO. We, we put a big focus on it, but I tried some and I hated them, tried some and I loved them. And it's, it's just one where it feels like it's a game. It's hard. So you were doing that as doing that, did it for, I think for 12 years with the one company and did yeah. a shorter spin with another company. And then yep. along the way, you kind of got the entrepreneurial bug or you kind of wanted to do your own thing and kind of, was that a slow thing? Was it kind of, you know, I, Oh, I always <laughs> want to do this and I'll try something out. Or was it overnight? I'm just, I'm tired of working for somebody else. I'd like to do my own thing. You're kind of how did that hit you? Uh, well, uh, always looking for the the entrepreneurial win. Um, like I, I'm just that antsy guy that that is always looking at where where is a market inefficiency. You know, how can I I make some money doing this or that? Like 
okay, so my wife started a, a company uh, back in 2010, and she's a, a wedding planner. And I was very involved in that and in, in helping her out and making sure her rankings were good on Google um, so that she would get the leads, you know, helped her out with, with payroll and all those things. And her company continued to grow. Um, and as she was doing that, she was bringing in more people that, you know, I, I became less and less relevant. So, you know, I, I got some ideas like, one of them was a, a marketplace for couples and vendors. It was, it was like the, the Uber for the wedding industry where we would develop this technology and we developed it, it worked, uh, but the, the, we didn't reach the marketing challenges there uh, where we had to market both to couples and to vendors um, and we didn't have a, enough money to, to go about, about doing that. Um, so had that idea, had an idea for uh, kind of um, invitations where if you just send a, a list or not invitations, but um, thank you cards. So if you send a, a list of your gifts and the people that got them for you uh, to this company, which I called the Grateful Witch, uh, I don't know why, but that's why I called it that, that it would then spit out, it would send the thank you cards for you. So it would write these nice thank you cards for you and, and send them out. I thought it was a cool idea. I didn't know how to run, a, uh, run that particular kind of business. But so these are all things that I was, was working on, um, you know, all the while doing my job. And then I found podcasting and then, you know, something, something actually hit. Hmm. So now you, 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 and so it was podcasting, it sounds like, and not putting words in your mouth, but it was kind of one where as you're trying these different ones, you stumbled upon it, so to speak, or you kind of felt, I don't know, fell into it sounds like there was the intentionality, but it wasn't necessarily, hey, I'm going to go out and just be the world's best podcaster and that's my new business. But it was, it sounds like it kind of started as something that was or supportive of what you were doing. And then it became a greater focus. Is that about right? Yeah. So uh, 2016, 2017, just started falling in love with the storytelling aspect of podcasting. Um, a great influence was How I Built This by Guy Raz. You know, love that podcast. Mm -hmm. He's just the greatest uh, interviewer. And by the way, uh, if any of your listeners have kids out there, uh, the podcast that he does with Mindy Thomas called Wow in the World, it is amazing. Like it is a, uh, a cartoon uh, in audio. Um, they take scientific, uh, scientific research and turn that into a cartoon basically on audio uh, where they go to different places and all these things. And my kids just love it. Anyway, so I started falling in love with podcasting around 2016, 2017. And I went to my bosses and said, Hey, can I start a podcast for, for our company? You know, I'll do it. I'll do all the, you know, hosting, editing, mixing, whatever else. And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Sure. Go ahead. If, if, if it'll keep you happy for a little while longer. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if it'll keep you happy for a little while longer, why not? <laughs> so, um, I did that and it was like a, how I built this, but for our clients. So we, we sold to e-commerce stores. So we, I interviewed them about their journeys in developing their e-commerce companies. And it was called my digital story. And we did 10 episodes. I wanted to take it further and interview other e-commerce companies, not just our clients, uh, just for, for networking purposes. They didn't really share that vision. They wanted to be just about our clients, which is cool. Like that's, that's their prerogative. Um, I think it was a mistake. I think it could have been a great networking opportunity. So 2018, um, I convinced my wife finally to start her own podcast. So as I mentioned, she's a, a wedding planner and I'd been bugging her to write a book about all her different stories about the wedding industry. 
and the the mothers of the bride who did this and you know the the outbursts from um you know the the brides or the grooms or whoever like she's got amazing stories to tell and she's like no 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 i can't do that i would have to it would have to be my last year in business basically you know to to be able to write a book um cuz you know my clients wouldn't want to think like i could one day share their stories it's like, well, what about a what about a podcast where you get other vendors to share their stories? And she's like, fine, I don't even listen to podcasts, but I'll I'll go ahead and, and do this thing. So we started Weddings for Real, and it is uh, three plus years in. She's at episode one hundred and forty three, and what we started to find and what has happened to her career is she has gone from wedding planner to industry thought leader, speaker and online educator. So she now has a platform, uh, an online education platform where she trains the next generation of wedding planners on how to be a, a better wedding planner. And she's got 350 members in this, in this membership site, which is awesome. And it all started from that podcast platform. So I started to see how effective this can be for businesses um, and for building personal brands and for building company brands. And I was like, okay, I'm falling in love with this. I'm, I've spent too long at, at this one company. I'm starting to get jittery. I'm starting to think about my legacy. Like, what am I doing with, with my life here? What, what can I be proud of to produce out there? And I wanted to start my own company. And so I did. And in 2019, I finally left uh, the company that I was with and started out on my own and then uh, started building up EarFluence. Well, that's awesome. And, I, and I, I said, I'm a big proponent as we, I have my own podcast, but I think that, you know, one of the misconceptions people have, and, and I think it even kind of you touched on with your wife is, is you know, doing a podcast, you're not going to overnight. It's not going to be like, oh, we got a million downloads on our first episode and everybody knows. Or maybe if you have a huge marketing budget, maybe, but even that, but I think it's one where I think to your point, and, and it's kind of even what your your business, the business that you started with missed out on is that it's a great way to connect, meet new people, make connections, network, you know, non or more, much more easily reach out to people that probably otherwise you wouldn't be able to get a chance to talk with because you're offering value. So I think it's a it's a great platform. And it's also one where people love, I've listened to, I listen to more podcasts than anything else and watch TV or that because I'll go out for runs. And I'll listen to podcasts there. And, you know, you'll be on a drive and you can't do anything else. So you listen to podcasts there. And it's a great way to consume a lot of content. So with that, as you now kind of dive into your own business, and, you know, that kind of brings us up in today, looking a bit into the future, kind of both within your business, as well as, you know, the industry in general, where do you see things headed? Oh, wow. So you hit on it quite a bit is you, you can't expect a viral sensation um, at, at all, unless you are a celebrity already. And, you know, you have that opportunity to have that viral sensation, but it, it is worth so much more than selling ads. Like if that's your goal for your podcast, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. Like your goal should be top of funnel marketing, right? And so creating something where people can vet who you are and see, oh, this person knows what they're talking about so that they can amplify their expertise is, is our, our tagline. But it's also to create that content. So the podcast can be repurposed into videos for social media posts, for books, for blog posts, for so many different things. So you've got that top of funnel marketing, you've got the, the content creation, and then it's a networking, it's a networking and business development. So like, you know, when you're reaching out to somebody to do your podcast, maybe it's somebody that you feel like could be a client of yours. 
Like I, I had a, I have a client who uh, hadn't even put out the podcast yet was just reaching out and saying, Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? And all of a sudden they had a $30,000 piece of business because it, start, it sparked up a conversation. And so it's, you look back at golf like 10 years ago and going uh, on, you know, a round of golf with a, a prospect, right. And just treating them to that. Well, I feel like podcasting has become the new golf instead of let's go for a, a round of golf It's Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? And you can have a real insightful conversation. That's not so sales oriented. And yet it's got that, that business development focus um, or that business development goal for you um, while creating amazing content. So no, you asked where I, the industry is going. It is these niche podcasts. It is, you know, coming up with like, everybody should have a podcast. Like every business should have a podcast and every personal brand should have a podcast because of all those things. And you don't have to have a huge audience, but if you can connect with the right people, if you can connect with who you want to work with, if you can connect with your friends, if you can have fun, that's what's important. No, I, and I think that that's absolutely right. I mean, I think you can have a much smaller. Now the nice thing about podcasts and most people don't say you never very seldom, you know, the audience. So just as people getting started, People don't know if you have a million followers or you have five followers, which is nice for the podcast host in the sense that it gives you a much lower barrier to entry when people, and most of the time when you ask, reach out to people, it's, they're just excited to tell their story. Somebody wants to hear it. They want to be on to share. And so I think that it gives you a lower barrier to entry if you just get started and get going. And then you find that right group that is important to you. And then it allows you to build from there. So I love, I'm a big proponent of it. So now, so now as we start to reach the end of your journey, and there's always so many things, maybe we'll have to have you back on sometime as an expert to talk more about podcasts. It's an episode or it's a, a topic that I absolutely love. But as far as your journey, we've kind of reached now the end of your journey, you know, bringing your journey, not the end, but to where it's at today and looking into the future, good time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of the end of each episode. Before we jump to those, just a reminder, everybody, we're also doing the bonus episode or bonus question where we do we talk a little bit about intellectual property. So if you want to stay tuned and hear a little bit about that, make sure to listen after the end after wrapping the formal episode. But before then, jumping to the last two questions, um, first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Man. Devin, I feel like I, I keep making the, not the same mistake, but in the realm of the same type of mistakes. And what's really hard as an entrepreneur and a solopreneur initially is you have got to wear so many hats in your business. Uh, there's this, there's a great book called the startup hats by David Gardner. And he talks about the 11 startup hats that you have to wear. So, you know, maybe it, 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 one hat is the sales, one hat is the, the marketing, you know, one hat is HR eventually. One hat is all these different things. There's 11 hats. You have to do it all. You have to do every single thing, including all the BS work. Then the challenge becomes, if, you're, if you get to that point where you're, you, you've got demand for your, your product or service or whatever, then the challenge becomes, how do you take those hats off? Like, how do you hire the right people? How do you come up, up, how do you come up with systems and processes so that you can hire the right people. And, you know, if, if you want to take a hat off that you, you have it in place and I keep making the same mistake of doing the business rather than growing the business. And mm -hmm. I, I have to focus on that every single day, every single week is my role as CEO of this company 
is to grow the business, not to do the business. And yet, you know, I, like we have clients and it's all great. They're, they're, they're paying clients, but you know, we're not rich enough yet where I can hire for everything. So like, you know, that, that continues to be a, a mistake that I'm making is not focusing on the growth, but rather on the doing of the business. And I think for anybody listening to this, you've got to quickly figure out how to get to that point where you can grow uh, rather than do. Hmm. No. And I think that, you know, it is that hard balance because, you know, especially the small business and startup as the owner, founder, whatever you want to call it, you, you have to wear multiple hats. You have to do product development, sales, marketing, you know, doing the website, you have to do hiring, firing, usually you're the janitor, kind of all those. And as you grow, you know, you can, as you have the ability to get some revenue, bring in other people, then it's that balance of what do you, what do you give to other people? What do you keep yourself? Where's your best, you know, best return on your efforts? And it's not an easy thing to know and because things still all have to get done. And so it's always hard to, I think, divorce yourself from, hey, these are a lot of things that would be great to get done, but here's the things that are going to be the most impactful for the business because you still want to get those other things done. So I think that that's definitely yeah. something to, a, a mistake that's easy to make and everybody faces it as doing a startup or a small business. Yep. Second question I always ask is if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you give them? That's a really good question, Devin. The one piece of advice that I, <laughs> yeah, the one piece of advice that I would give to them is make sure that you carve out time for yourself and your family. When you're running a startup, you can get so focused and so in the weeds of running that business and it can be mentally all consuming and you can't lose track of what is truly important. Um, so carving out that time to go for a run, carving out that time for a date night, carving out that time that is super intentional for your kids, that is going to be beneficial to your family, but then also for your business, because it'll give you that time away to relax your brain so that you can come up with better ideas for, for the growth of your company. So as busy as you are, as busy as you know you need to be for this startup to be successful, make sure you carve out that time. No, and I, I think that the, I think both on that you hit on a couple of things. One is families absolutely. I mean, I think that if your family's not doing well, if your kids or your wife and that aren't being paid attention, if you're failing there, it's gonna have a big impact on your business because you're not gonna be able to focus, you're not gonna be able to be able to remove yourself or, you know, or, or think or focus on the business when you're there because you're always worried about feeling like you're failures of husband or father and vice, and vice versa. If you're doing well at home, I think it has a major, a major positive impact on your business because you have that great support network. So I think that that's a great one. The other one you hit on is I think, you know, having that time to decompress. I mean, I always joke that, you know, there's a lot of truth to it, but most of the time when I come into the office, I'll say, well, listen, I got a great, I got another idea or something we want to implement the business. I'll usually start with, I was listening to a podcast and I had an idea now, nine, probably 80 or 90% of the time, it has very little to do with the podcast episode that I'm listening to, but I'm out for a run, listening to podcasts. I don't have emails coming in. I don't have anything else. And this is the time for me to decompress, think about the things that I normally don't think about during the busy day. And I think both of those are, I think, a great way to make sure to, to have those times to 
give or have the support, get, have a good family, and also have a time to actually ponder how to grow your business. So I think those are great pieces of advice. Yeah, I love it. Well, now as we wrap up, before we do the, the bonus question, as we wrap up the normal episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a client, they want to be a customer, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Next best friend, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jason Gillikin, G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N, and then uh, earfluence.com. So if you go to earfluence.com, fill out the contact form, or you can always just email me directly, jason at earfluence.com. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, contact you, find out more. It sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge, especially for those that are looking to get into podcasting, other things to grow their, grow their network and grow their influence. I think that's fair. Definitely encourage people to reach out. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. And for all of you that are listeners, if you would uh, like to share your journey, love to have you on the podcast. If you just go to inventiveguest.com, you can sign up to, to apply to be on the show. Two more things as a listener. One, make sure to leave it or click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. So now as we've just wrapped up the normal part of the episode, it's kind of the fun time when I get it, we get to switch gears a bit and talk about the, or go over and talk a little bit about the subject that's near and dear to my heart, which is intellectual property patents and trademarks and whatnot. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to ask your number one intellectual property question. All right, Devin, I appreciate it. So uh, we just made t-shirts uh, and we've got a couple mottos um, that we put on t-shirts. Um, one of them is, just press record. So there's, there's a couple meanings there. One is for all those pod curious out there. Uh, I tell them just press record and see what you have. Like just, just do the thing. Just, just start podcasting, see what you have. It's not live. You can always throw it out. And then the other uh, meaning is for all the producers, editors out there, remember to press record anyway. So, um, <laughs> We put that on a t-shirt, so just press record and then your fluence on the back. The other one we did was record drunk, edit sober, which means that you, you don't have to be drunk, sure you can, uh, but you just wanna be loose, right? When you're recording something, you wanna be able to dig in deep and say, hey, uh, we don't have to air this, but I have to ask, or this can be off the record, but I have to ask, um, just, just so you can be loose with everything and be comfortable. And then when you're in the editing process, that's where you can cut things down. So record drunk, edit sober. We put that on a t-shirt as well. As an IP attorney, uh, do, do I need to be concerned about this? Like I haven't looked into trademarks or anything. Like how does that all work? Yeah, so with... With that, and especially when you get into clothing, so there's typically two ways that you could protect it. If you're, if it was, I'll get to how you protect it, but before you get to, to protecting it, I think the question that's or most relevant would be, should you protect it? In other words, is it worthwhile to invest? And I would look at that as it's kind of, if it's part of your brand and it's something to where it's critical to your brand, it's something that you're building it around to where it is something that identifies you as your business to where somebody else were to knock it off or copy it, you say, ouch, that kind of hurts, you know, that's when you're getting to that point. So if it's just one, yeah, it's a fun catchphrase, we like to joke around with it, if somebody else uses it, I don't really care, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about protecting it because it doesn't really have that value that you're trying to protect. On the other hand, you're saying, if it's like Nike's just do it and everybody associates it with the business, 
milk in your mouth, not in your hand, you know, whatever, pick you, whatever your, you know, got milk, whatever your catchphrase is, you're going to say, okay, that is a, a big part of the business. And then you're going to want to protect it. So first thing is, is see whether or not it's worthwhile to protect. The second thing is, let's say now you get to the point, okay, it's worthwhile to protect. Yeah, it's a big part of our brand. Then there's kind of two ways to protect it. One is if there is a unique look in this field, meaning it's not necessarily, you know, branding part, but you just created a cool looking shirt. It has a cool design to it. It has, you know, cool graphics. That's going to be under copyrights. Anything that's kind of on that creative side where you just make something with a unique, cool look and feel or protect with copyright. Copyright basically allows you to, if somebody else were to copy it, they were to just take away your images, put it on their own shirts or on their website, gives you the ability to stop others. The other one is on trademarks. Trademarks is gonna be more for the brand. So now that is the difficulty when you get into clothing lines is that most of the time when you see a cool t-shirt and it has a cool saying on it, you don't think about that that being part of the brand using that's a funny saying or you know funny t-shirt. And I'll give you a, give you a good example. I My favorite t-shirt is the stupidest t-shirt, but I always love it. And it says, I just wanna ride bikes with you. Don't know why I find it funny. This is a funny shirt for me. So that's my favorite shirt. I love the shirt. Funding or fun design, I have no idea whose brand it is and it has nothing to do with branding. And so that's the problem with clothing is trademarks go towards branding. So if it's something that's identifying associated with your brand, then you can protect it with trademarks. If it's just a funny catchphrase or a cool design, can't really do with, it's not really part of your brand, then you can't protect it. So those are the kind of the two avenues that you can look at to protect it, both of which kind of give you different points of protection, depending on is it more just kind of the cool design, is it more type of the brand, or is it both? And then you can protect it that way. So with that, that's the, my answer to your top intellectual property question. And if you or any of the audience has any other questions or, or want to grab some time with us to chat, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again, Jason, for coming on. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devin.